And we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. I'm Mitch Bennell. He's Mitchell Bala. And we're here again to give you the latest in the world of sporting and athletics. Mitch, uh, it's going to be back here, man. We got a lot to talk about. We got some playoffs coming up. We got uh, some seasons winding down. In terms of the high school seasons right now in our winter sports, we are more than halfway done, which is kind of crazy to think about. We were halfway done in the NBA season, Mitch. And like you just mentioned, halfway done with winter sports and high school sports. Just a couple more weeks till spring sports start ramping up here with tryouts and practices. It's crazy. Absolutely. And we'll get into that throughout the rest of the next hour or so. But before that, we want to remind you guys, you can go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com to find the latest articles, latest videos, our latest broadcasts. We just put up the live streams uh, courtesy of the local broadcast network and the LBN app of Strasburg's. Friday night game against the Claremont Mustangs, the boys game. And then last Saturday, the Strasburg girls were able to pull off a dominating win over the Tuscar Central Catholic Saints over at Strasburg. So be sure to check those out. Obviously, you can find us here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. Uh, Or you can also go to our podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. That is all courtesy of Anchor. Not a sponsor, but if you go to anchor.fm and look up the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, you'll find us and wherever we uh, publish the podcast. And you can go to us on Facebook or Instagram, Big Time Sports Ohio, or Twitter at BTS Ohio, or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Mitch Spinell. Same for him, at Mitchell Bala. Mitch, uh, you know, we're getting into this first talk of high school sports, and we'll continue it later on down the episode with a special guest. But uh, we have to talk about some of the games that we saw on Tuesday night, particularly in Stark, where it's really heating up in the Federal League. Jackson, the boys team, was able to pull off a victory over the McKinley Bulldogs. And as you mentioned before the start of the show, their first win against McKinley since 2019. Yeah, that's right, Mitch. The first win that the senior class of Jackson has now gotten over McKinley. McKinley had rattled off six straight victories. I that I got to catch up with head coach Andy Velakovich of McKinley before the game. And I asked him, you know, one of the questions was, Coach, what is it about Jackson? You know, what is there a secret recipe? Is it going on the road what is it and he said his players just know they have to get up for a game like this and last night Mitch for about 28 minutes McKinley was doing what they had done the past three seasons and it looked like they were going to come on the road and knock off Jackson Jackson dug deep late Jackson down two senior players one starter and one of the first men off the bench uh, due to illness and Jackson turned to the young guns Kyle Monterubio, Mitch, the sophomore with 20 points. He was the big-time sports I-Cryo Stone Cold player of the game. That was our big-time sports game of the week for Tuesday. 20 points. Owen Wilbert, the center, who, Mitch, has been phenomenal all year, adds an 18. You look at someone like Anthony Fuelline, the junior point guard, getting his first real true taste of being a starter on varsity. And Mitch Finnefrock, Mitch, another Mitch to add to the mix. Wow. Mitch Spinell, they... Did not waver. They were down as many as eight points throughout that game. They came back, and in the fourth quarter, when it got tight, they were able to make some big shots. And really, Mitch, momentum turned when Anthony Fuelline hit a, or had a layup down the lane on an inbounds pass after the basket, tipped by Polar Bear defender Alvin Altman, right to Fuelline behind the three-point arc, cashed it in, tied the game out, tied the game up, timeout McKinley. And after that, Jackson was able to hold off the efforts of Treshawn Foster, who Mitch played a magnificent game for McKinley. 23 points, as well as Keith Quincy, Mitch. Not one that shoots the ball deep for McKinley, but he had over 20 points as well. It was a phenomenal Federal League basketball game and a game now that moves Jackson into sole possession of first place in the Federal League. 
Yeah, especially with one of the games we'll get to here in a second. I mean, it, it's a tough season for McKinley right now. I don't think they're accustomed to this uh, slow of uh, starts. Not even a start now. We're more than halfway done with the year. They're 5-5 five and five in overall play, 3-3 three and three in Federal League play. But the Polar Bears are able to really pull off some very solid victories in conference here over the last couple of weeks. We mentioned a few weeks ago them beating Glen Oak. We see them now beating McKinley. Monterubio having a, a bit of a breakout night. I wouldn't say, I mean, he is definitely one of their top players, but he wouldn't be usually the guy to be far and away the leading scorer. You have guys like Owen Woolbert who are able to operate very well in the paint for the Bears. And I'm very impressed to see what they can do down this stretch. And will this run of success they've had go into the tournament? I wonder about that because you also have a number of games that were close on Tuesday. We saw Glen Oak get back on track after uh, two consecutive losses. They were able to win 43 to 40 against the Green Bulldogs. And Ja'Cory Lifkins had a solid game with 21 points. Yeah. And really, Mitch, it was just an off shooting night for both sides. It was a good basketball game, just kind of sloppy in terms of offensive production. These teams that are, I mean, Mitch, we just saw last week on a big time sports game of the week, or excuse me, Green going to McKinley and throttling McKinley on their own home floor, putting up point after point. It included Brady Rollison dropping 30 that night. Rollison with 16 last night. Um, but Glen Oak, Mitch, you mentioned it, gets back on track. They had lost to Jackson last Tuesday. They then lost the Lake at home. They had a game on Sunday, which they beat Central, but now they get back into the Federal League race to keep things alive. This is a team in Glen Oak that still has to go on the road to Jackson. They still have to play teams for the second time around. On the flip side for Green, it's a loss. They were hot, as could be. Mitch, I believe they'd won seven in a row. Green still controls their own destiny, and we're going to see who really controls their own destiny Friday night on the big-time sports game of the week when Jackson goes to Green. And that is going to be an insane atmosphere. It's going to be a great game. I, I really hope people tune into that game or stay locked into social media. I know later this afternoon, I'm heading over to Green High School to do some work with a couple of the players for a trailer, uh, something new we're trying to do here. But Mitch, if Green beats Jackson, all of a sudden that shortens up the standings in the Federal League. Whereas if Jackson beats Green, Jackson's just continuing to build a lead. So everything is on the table Friday night. And this is the team in Green that is going to look a lot different than the first time they played Jackson this year in the first game of the season. They've had some players come back, players accept and understand their roles. I am so excited to be there Friday night. I know it's Troy Richardson and Mike Galena on the call for the big-time sports game of the week, but Glen Oak, much need to win. Uh, quickly, the other teams in the Fed, you had Hoover beating Perry last night. Uh, Perry is going to be in a tough spot now the rest of the season. Mitch, it looks like they are going to be without senior point guard uh, Xander Sabin, who is out with a fractured wrist. And then Lake on the road last night, losing to Akron Hoban. That's a tough, tough team. Uh, but the loss doesn't hurt Lake in terms of the federal league standings. They're still up in the top three in the fight. That That's really tough for the Panthers because I saw what Saban was able to do in his time at, at Tuscarora Central Catholic. And, uh, you know, I, I, you saw a great performance from Joel Brown in that game with 22 points. And he may not may now need to be the offensive focal point if Perry wants to ensure that they can keep up with teams offensively here in the upcoming couple of weeks. Speaking of Central, we saw uh, Saban's former teammates Jordan Cherry and uh, Caden Crozier with 22 and 14 points, respectively, as 
Central was able to get a huge victory over Waynedale, 54 to 43 last night in New Philly. We also had, uh, I'm going to save the big one for last. We had the Highland boys winning on the road at Triway. Sammy Detweiler had 20 points for them. Nick Wigton had 17 points. The Hawks are now seven and six, kind of like McKinley this year. Highlands kind of, they haven't gotten off to the start that they've wanted to in year, like, like they have in years past, but that's still a machine of a program over in Berlin. Uh, we also had, was that's that? a team just like McKinley that you are not going to want to see in the postseason, despite what the record is. That's a team that's going to be able to beat anybody on any given night. And that's the scary thing about looking at records. When you talk about teams like these. Absolutely. We also had Strasburg uh, beating visiting Canton South. Jake Ryan, who kind of got off to a bit of a slow start earlier this season, has now led the team in scoring for the third straight game. He had 18 points. Uh, Gage Moore and Joe Fisher each had 16 to guide the Tigers, who are now 10 and three. They can just get a couple more in-conference games, especially one coming up here very soon against the Malvern Hornets in Malvern. Then that could help their chances to get back in the race for the IVC North title and we also had uh claymont beating newcomerstown uh the score was 65 to 26 dylan watkins had his best scoring performance of the season 21 points for the now five and eight mustangs grady mooneyham with 13 points and finally this is the one that i i was stunned to see fairless fairless pulling off a quadruple overtime varsity win over sandy valley 68 to 66 and you had Carson Colucci who had 12 points of the game this, this, is, this is what's crazy Brody Pumnio who gave the assist to Colucci at the end had 36 points to lead the way and Carson Colucci caps it off with 12 points including the go-ahead three-pointer I think it was with 3.3 seconds left and per high school rules the clock keeps running Sandy Valley just couldn't get back down the court to respond but it was such a a back and forth game particularly in the last four periods and what a victory for uh for fairless i mean mitch that is just it's bonkers i mean that's the time i'm trying to think of a word four overtimes is something we hardly ever see games go that long in college basketball or you know nba basketball high school basketball and for it to be so evenly matched throughout um and, and also i asked you from what we gathered we were neither of us were there it doesn't seem like many kids fouled out either so you're talking about playing a majority of the kids that got you to that point Talk about the exhaustion and how tired you have to be. I wonder how they feel today on both sides, but I'm sure, I'm sure the Falcons feel a little bit better coming off the win over Sandy Valley. You mentioned those regular players. Nick Petro had 25 points for Sandy. Uh, Jordan Wigfield had 15 points. Dante Fiello, who's been one of the top scorers of the team this year, had 16 points, but he did leave the game with an injury, and it looks like he's day-to-day still as far as we can tell. So uh, we'll look for updates out on that. And that is what we have for our high school recap for segment one. We'll be back uh, right after these brief messages. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. 
Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week. Visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballett. It's now time for a new segment in which we go over wild card weekend here in the NFL. We are officially at playoff time. The NFL regular season is done. Uh, for once, we won't be talking for once uh, this episode, for the first time in four and a half months, we won't be talking Browns. We'll be talking about these uh, qualifying teams here in the AFC and NFC playoffs, trying to make it to Super Bowl 57. So, Mitch. Let's get right into it, man, because we have a number of matchups to get to. We start off usually in the AFC, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, very curious to see some of these matchups here that we kind of touched on on Monday's episode. So we have here the Chargers at fifth, the Jacksonville Jaguars at four. So Jacksonville, with their record, gets to host a playoff game. You have sixth-ranked Cincinnati, uh, sixth-ranked Baltimore returning to Cincinnati to take on the third-ranked Bengals and the seven-seed Miami Dolphins take on their AFC East counterpart, the second-seeded Buffalo Bills. And, Mitch, I'm going to start off with that game right there yeah. because we just got word uh, about within the last hour that uh, Tua Tagovailoa will not be playing in this weekend's game as he is still under the concussion protocol. It looks as if Skylar Thompson is going to be uh, active for the Dolphins under center. I'm curious to see if 
anybody will think that Miami has a viable chance in this game. And I, I, I can't say it's a guarantee that Buffalo is going to win, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Oh, Mitch, uh, if you had to, if you asked me to put down all my money on one team to win this weekend, it would be the bills. I don't think there's any shot that the dolphins can beat the bills this weekend in Buffalo. The line has already moved after the announcement earlier today that Tua is out and it will be Skylar Thompson starting the rookie. It is now a 13-point spread, according to Caesars Sportsbook. Uh, the Bills are favored. I just don't see, one, how the Dolphins can keep up with the Bills. Mitch, the only way the Dolphins are going to be able to stay in this game is they're going to have to play a boring style of football, which for Dolphins players, team, and fans, that's fine. You want to win this game at any, any way you can. It's going to have to be taking the play clock down early on in the first quarter and trying to control the time of possession and limiting how much time Josh Allen and the Bills get with the football and not to mention Mitch, you thought it was very emotional last week in Buffalo. We'll have to wait and see, but word this morning, Damar Hamlin has been discharged from an area of Buffalo hospital. Mitch, he is as far as all the show, he is okay. He's going to go home and still do everything needed to do, but there's already talks that he will now be in attendance at the game on Sunday. It's going to get very loud in there. If, if that is true, we can't confirm that yet. Just, you know, obviously rumors coming out. If that's the case, Mitch, I don't, I don't see a way the bills possibly lose that game. Would be a great sight to see, especially with what we saw in last Sunday's game against new England, where you take the opening kickoff back and it felt like something that you couldn't, you couldn't write in your dreams, but that was the way that was the way it was. And then another kickoff as well. Uh, the bills did activate the practice window for Micah Hyde and Jameson Crowder. However, the two are not expected to play this week. They could be back if the team, uh, if they were to take on, I would assume, yeah, it would be the Bengals. Should the Bengals win? Yes, that would make sense. Yes. Okay. So then we would have that game between the Ravens and the Bengals. Bengals got up to a big lead last week before Baltimore made it kind of a game, even though I don't know if Cincinnati kind of just packed it in to try and ensure their safe victory to get their players out, but it's an interesting matchup. It doesn't look like Lamar Jackson is going to be back again. And I I don't know what's going to happen to the Ravens after we got that word yesterday with Roquan Smith getting this massive contract. Uh, There was a, I think I can't remember which Twitter account it was. It might've been bleacher report who had this little line of like uh, Smith handled all the negotiations himself. And it felt like that was tacked on to I, I can't say it was against against Lamar Jackson, but that just felt like oh, ooh, it was Ian Rappaport. That yeah, I okay, Rappaport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have it right here, and let's just talk about that quickly because, as you mentioned, it is not certain Lamar Jackson is going to play. He still has not practiced yet this week, Mitch. And even if he does play, he hasn't played in weeks. So you want to talk about rust? Hasn't practiced in weeks. I mean, what is the chemistry going to look like? But the Ravens did in, agree in principle with all pro linebacker Roquan Smith. Now the highest paid at his position in NFL history with a five-year, $100 million deal, $45 million fully guaranteed, and $60 million in total guarantees. The first off-ball linebacker in NFL history to get $20 million per year, and he represented himself. Why is that mentioned? Lamar Jackson is represented himself in contract negotiations with the Ravens. I agree with you, Mitch. I feel like that one was kind of thrown in there at the end. Is that a slight at Lamar Jackson? Obviously, we're never going to know. And 
as much as we think that Lamar's not going to play, the, the Ravens can franchise tag him for two more years. Um, but just an odd scene. And I, even if Lamar plays Mitch, I just think there's so much question around the Baltimore Ravens right now yeah, around the front office and, and Lamar Jackson, that it's become a huge distraction. You hear uh, Harbaugh getting almost annoyed, having answered the same questions every day when is it Harbaugh doesn't deal with contracts, Mitch. I believe that's what a general manager in a front office does, not a head coach. And he's starting to get annoyed. I don't see a way that as much as I want to talk myself into it, I think the Bengals continue to roll and they win their ninth straight game and they knock off the Ravens. Yeah, they're they're probably going to win, and I think Baltimore is going to end up using the franchise tag on him in the offseason. So that that's that's what's going to be. Now, what happens here after that? We don't know. So then you would have Buffalo taking on Cincinnati in the two versus three, and then we would have the Jaguars and the Chargers. The winner of that would take on the top seeded Chiefs in Arrowhead. This is this is the curious one because Jacksonville is hot right now. They have worked their way into the playoffs came back from essentially the dead and the chargers can be very, very good at times. Other times it can be very streaky. This is a very tough one. I could easily see some people taking Jacksonville in this one, even though I think the chargers might on paper be the better team. I I agree with you. And just to prove that I agree with you, uh, we all selected the chargers to win in week three over the Jacksonville Jaguars in LA when the Jaguars went into LA and beat the chargers. So that's one thing. The Jaguars already have confidence. Now you're talking about a team coming out to the East to play you in your home stadium, where that place is going to be electric. Finally, Jacksonville hosts a playoff game. I believe since 2016 was the last time they did, or maybe 17 with Blake Bortles and that whole crew. I often rip a few, a few coaches in terms of their decision-making. Mm-hmm. Brandon Staley last week playing in the afternoon, the late afternoon slot pitch, seeing the Baltimore Ravens had already lost, knowing they were going to be the five seed, still put out his starters. And it saw Mike Williams get carted off with a back injury. And it saw Joey Bosa leave the game. Staley is also, I consider, somewhat of a twin of Stefanski when it comes to using analytics a little too much in decision making. I'm not a Trevor Lawrence fan, but I am going to take the Jags. I'm going to take the Jaguars this week because they have the confidence to beat LA. I just, I, I sometimes wonder if Staley can get out of his own way. Um, I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever. I mean, the chargers are two point favorites, but I will, I'll roll with the dogs and I'll roll with the Jags. And I think that defense is going to be able to do something to the chargers this week. I forgot to mention too. Uh, I'm also saying, uh, I, I think I'd take Jacksonville as well. I also forgot to mention Buffalo is 13 point favorites over Miami. Now with the news of uh Tua being out seven points, the Bengals have over the Ravens and that, not as bad, but that that's considerable. Oh yeah. Lamar's officially ruled out. He's not. Yeah. Ruled yeah out. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, um, so that's the AFC. The NFC has uh five versus four Dallas at Tampa Bay, six versus three giants at Vikings. And again, the interesting one, seven versus two, Seahawks versus 49ers. Look, Seattle, I mean, they didn't have like the strongest path into the playoffs, but they did get in in a year that where many people did not expect them to. And it's a huge success story. San Francisco is on a run. I I, I don't know. 
I want to say San Francisco will in it will win it easily, but I can't. I I would say this is an even harder choice than my Miami and and Buffalo uh, uh, thinking. I it is a much harder choice, Mitch, and this is probably the one that if you're going on the lower seed in terms of upset seven two, I would probably say this is my second pick in terms of an upset if it's going to happen. Brock Purdy has been phenomenal down the stretch. You look back. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo in that 33 to 17 win over the Dolphins on December 4th. Since then, Brock Purdy has become the starter. He beat Tampa Bay. He beat Seattle in a Thursday night match, but then he beat Washington. Then he beat the Raiders and then he beat the Cardinals. He has not played against great competition yet, right? You Seahawks and the Bucks, the only two playoff teams in there. We know how we both feel about the Bucks, but how is he going to stack up in the playoffs where obviously when he took over, they'd already clinched a playoff spot. Now it's pressure. The pressure is on him. It's win or go home. I will still lean San Francisco just off the sheer fact that I think Shanahan can get Brock Purdy to a point to play mistake-free football to the team's advantage. I'm not going to be surprised, though, if Geno Smith and the Seahawks go in there and knock him off, Mitch. Yeah, I, I still think San Francisco will get it, mainly because they don't need they don't need to rely on Purdy to do too much. If Seattle can't stop Christian McCaffrey then they don't have much of a chance. And if that defense for San Francisco can pressure Geno Smith enough, it's going to be a long day offensively for Seattle. And by the way, this is the highest point differential of the, all the NFC playoff games this week. San Francisco is a 10-point favorite, and it doesn't feel like it's a 10-point favorite to me. But it feels, you know, it's an interesting game uh, in comparison to the other two ones, which are also uh, still interesting. Uh, we have the Giants taking on the Vikings. Vikings three-point favorites. And I know what you're going to say. But this is a this is a tricky one because the Giants, I think, are capable of pulling off a major upset, but the Vikings at home can can still get it done. Right. We already saw this game played one time in the same exact venue this year. Greg Joseph field goal as time expired. Uh the Vikings, I believe, winning 10 one possession football games this season. I honestly think I would take the Giants plus three, but still expect the Vikings to win. This is going to be an interesting game match. I think this is one that I'm going to make sure I am. Locked down on the couch at Sunday at 4.30 p.m. to watch this game. I'm going to roll with the team that has been there and done that this year in tightly contested games if it gets tight. I mean, doing it 10 times, Mitch, that says something for itself, right? It's not like you're going to get in that same spot and start to crack. They were also down 33-0 to the Colts and came back. I'm going to roll with the Vikings. They've had, they have players that have been in the playoffs before where the Giants, first time making it in a while. Yeah, and the game's at 4.30, so that'll give you your insight on what to uh, expect from a certain QB1 wearing purple and white this coming Sunday. But uh, on the Monday night game, we have a Monday night playoff game this year, which is interesting. Cowboys and Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. <sighs> Look, do I do we keep saying every year that the Cowboys are going to bottom out in the playoffs, I, I know we've come to just expect it at, at some point. You would think that Dallas could get it done against an eight and nine team, but that eight and nine team has the greatest quarterback who've ever who's ever stepped on a football field, or at least the most successful one. I ugh. there's I'm really struggling here, man. I'm really struggling to decide between these two. I, I wish that ties still were in effect for the playoffs. And if they tied, they just both got eliminated. Cause I don't want to pick either team. I don't like either team. Dallas is a two and a half point road favorite. 
I can't believe I'm taking Tampa Bay. I mean, okay, that's that's okay. Um, uh, I I think I might have to go with Tampa Bay. And the reason that I'm picking Tampa Bay is because the Cowboys really struggle, not just at home in playoffs sometimes, on the road especially. They've lost eight consecutive playoff playoff games on the road. The last quarterback they beat in a road playoff game was Steve Young during his end of the ten- his tenure with the 49ers. This season alone, the Cowboys only lost one game at home. They were four and four away from AT&T Stadium. So, yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay wins it. I could easily see them winning it in a game where it's like 14 to nine. And Brady just engineers a drive in about a minute and 46 to get the touchdown. But I hate to say it because I'd like to see Dallas shake it up and and maybe become a contender. Now, I I don't know if it's going to happen. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay in this one. I I wouldn't be shocked if this game is a shootout in like a 38 to 35 win for a team. I won't be shocked if it's like something you said. The offenses just can't get going. Brady goes in a game winning drive. Maybe it's Dak. There's uncertainty now. Jerry Jones is already speaking out about Mike McCarthy's job security as head coach and what the Cowboys are going to do in the offseason. I mean, it, what it, he's saying, obviously, is job Hire Sean Payton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his job safe. His job safe. Well, we've heard that before, and coaches have been fired before. Okay, enough, Jerry. We know what you do. Tom Brady's just never lost the Cowboys, Mitch. I don't – you can't – I mean, it's not like his sample size is two games. I, I'm not going to bet against him here. I, at home, starting to get healthy in terms of players – and he's never lost this team. And you're talking about the guy who's had the most postseason success of all time. I'm yeah, I'm not. It. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going against it either. So that's our picks for Wild Card Weekend. And I'm excited to see what our picks will be when we come back next week and uh, go over our choices. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll have a special guest here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We'll be right back right after this. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. 
fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too alt care alt care We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we are back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Ballin. And it is now time to go into our next segment, which brings in a special guest. He is the head coach of the Highland Hawks girls basketball team over in Berlin. And the team will be participating, as he always do every year, in this upcoming 2023 Classic in the Country Girls Basketball Showcase. He is one Brady Schleyball. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Appreciate it, guys. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So, Coach, now you guys are uh, coming off of a couple of wins recently, including the 51-13 uh, to 13 victory over the Indian Valley Braves uh, this past week. And you guys seem to be getting into a bit of a rhythm here after getting a couple of uh, 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 losses here to start the season. What do you think has been the biggest uh, change for you guys compared to where you were at the start of the season to, to mm-hmm. get you guys a couple of recent victories? Yeah, you know, we're a very young team and we've got a lot of girls that haven't played, you know, big time minutes throughout an entire season. And so for us, it was really figuring out who needs to be in what roles and um, getting them to, to believe in those roles and, and come together around that. So um, we're starting to see a little bit of success with that, with, with people stepping up and, and filling those roles. But it's been fun, man. It, it's been a good season. So I'm enjoying it. Coach, talking about some of your players and obviously looking at the last game in that 51 to 13 win, somebody like Mallory Stutzman, 23.7 rebounds, and you had Ashley Mullet dished out eight assists long, scoring six and grabbing three. Just talk about how fast some of these players have grown up. You mentioned you guys are young. How have they grown up quickly? And is that a reason for your success so far this season? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like those two kids that you mentioned, they were really good role players on my dad's state championship team two years ago. And then, you know, as sophomores, you don't really get a a big leadership role either. Um, Mallory was hurt last year, but, you know, coming into who they are and who um, we want them to be a a big thing that comes with that is leadership. So getting them to, to believe in themselves and um, believe in each other and kind of take on those leadership roles uh, has been important for us, and, and they've definitely done that uh, and stepped up big time in those areas. 
Brady, you mentioned your dad, who was the leader of that uh, program for many, many years, a lot of successful seasons out in Berlin. And you saw the team in a different uh, leadership last season. Obviously, Jason Mishler was the head coach for the 2021-22 season, and then he steps down following that year. Was that a bit of a surprise to you and the rest of the Highland community? And what was the process that led to you being uh, early going out for the head coaching position and then getting the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Jason did a, did a great job last year. You know, these kids um, have grown up knowing how to work hard and, and play the game the right way. And so that, that process and that transition to him last year. And then to me this year is, is super smooth because of what's already in place. Um, like, like, like you said, I've, I've got a pretty good playbook to go by and, and a pretty good mentor as well so um that the behind the scenes stuff really is, is where all that kind of comes into place um you know setting setting what what do we need to go to a game what do we need preseason wise how do we set up our shootouts and trips and um fundraising all that kind of stuff um so that has i i feel like been the biggest thing especially off the court um with that help i can only imagine how big of a help your dad was with you and now is obviously you're there as the head coach and transitioning a little bit coach the classic in the country is this weekend a huge just display of talent of girls basketball and obviously your team will be playing there and we have the schedule pulled up here but when it comes to having this played at 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 your venue what type of things behind the scenes goes into that and is it you and the athletic director and athletic department that is picking and choosing these teams to come participate in this, in this classic? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that have been going on um, the last week. It's really started to ramp up, but planning really starts, you know, April, May of, of the year before. And um, Bryce McKee is a guy who does a lot of the scheduling. He actually went to, to Berlin Highland coaching college for a little while. And now he, He's got the best AAU team in the in the state and has sent a lot of players to college. Um, but he does a lot of that scheduling, and he's really good at putting together some good matchups. He knows um, the kids that are coming in. But for us to to have an event like that, um, you know, in, in our town, the the excitement that it brings to the community, but also to all of our kids high school, junior high kids help out, elementary kids help out. And so for them to see um, what elite level basketball looks like and, and give them something to work towards is pretty cool. Um, because, I mean, I, I think we've got a couple kids that could potentially play college basketball. Um, and so for kids like that to, to put themselves up against elite competition and, and kind of see where they stack up is important. And, and I think all, our non-conference schedule, um, honestly, I, I would put it up with one of the best in, in the state, for sure our division. And so that that's kind of helping prepare us for that, you know, Ashley getting a chance to play against some great point guards already this year. Um, and then Mallory um, is, is has obviously been a, a big piece for us this year as well. So I'm um, excited to see kind of where we stack up. Well, Coach, the Classic not only brings your team into the mix and you guys will be playing – uh, up here very soon. You'll be playing on Saturday, January 14th at 7.30 against Convoy Crestview. And then you play Monday, January 16th in the 7.30 matchup, the last game of the showcase against Midview. When you 
talk about this entire showcase. What is that feeling of not only bringing your girls in to show off what they can do, but also these other schools from not even just the state from Tuscarawas County or the state of Ohio, you'll have teams from, from out of state come in. I remember even a team uh, was planning even to come in one year out of the country. Uh, what is that feeling to not only bring all that talent together, but also to bring in a number of scouts and potential college coaches to see what uh, this showcase is able to bring? It, uh, it's really special, especially to be a part of something like that. I've kind of grown up in the, the landscape of Ohio girls basketball. There's awesome coaches across the state. And so to kind of bring everyone to one spot and, and get to showcase that, I mean, there's, uh, the the one game on Monday, Purcell Marion versus Laurel. I mean, there Purcell Marion's got like she's I believe number three in the country in in the sophomore class, and then Laurel's got the number one player in the country in, in that freshman class. And so um, that that's kind of that that next level that you get to see. There's I mean, the top Division one teams all come, and so it's it's really cool to to see that happen. You know, on your home floor stuff like that is pretty cool to be a part of. Coach, obviously I'm up here in Stark County and covering the teams around here. I have covered Jackson, who is a team that will be playing mm -hmm. as well as Laurel. Um, and, you know, mentioning those two teams and some of the talented players, they both boast on their roster. I know you have to get your team ready to coach, but is there time that you're able to step aside and maybe sit and, and just watch as a spectator and take in the different styles of basketball, as well as all the different type, different talent on the court from all these other teams that are attending. Yeah, for sure. And we try to do that throughout the throughout the weekend as we get our free time and especially our girls too. you know, tell them, hey, go watch a, a couple games Saturday, Monday, whatnot. Obviously, you know, get, get out of there at a good hour and prepare yourself, get what you need. But um, yeah, to, to be able to watch the different styles, teams that, you know, really push the ball, teams that slow it down, see, um, you know, what other coaches across the state are doing, because especially in basketball, it's a sport where you take from other coaches, you give to other coaches, stuff like that. Um, so it's really special to be able to see all the different um, teams coming. Well, Coach, following this classic, you guys have a number of games left before the start of the tournament. You have some in-conference opponents like Sandy Valley, Ridgewood, Garraway, and Tusky Valley. You also have a game, uh, I think it was your might be your season finale, if I'm not mistaken, against another team that'll be in this classic in uh, Millersburg West Holmes. So when you look down at this stretch of games throughout the season, what do you believe is the main message you want to get into your girls' heads to ensure that they can kind of keep themselves at a competitive level going into mm -hmm. the start of the tournament? I think for us, it's it's getting our girls to believe in themselves and, and all the work that they put in. We've had a chance to compete with some of the best teams in the state. We played Laurel first game of the year, had a competitive three quarters with them. And uh, we played Wheeling Park out of West Virginia, who I think is the best team in West Virginia. They'll probably win the Division One state championship down there. Um, and so, you know, then the end of that first quarter, it was 25-23 and then and so we played Tusky Valley last week and we scored 17 points in the whole game. Um, so, you know, getting that belief in them that, you know, they are good at this game and it's fun to play together. Um, I'm excited. We also got West Holmes or sorry, Waynedale um, in a couple of weeks. They're at the classic as well, but yeah, that, that West Holmes game is fun. It's, it's good to have them back on the schedule. That's a fun rivalry for our area. Um, and I mean, 
they're undefeated. They've got a good game against Lima Bath here Saturday night. I think if they win that, they'll probably be undefeated when we play them um, last game of the year. So that, that'll be a good test for us going into the a tournament and a good battle. Coach Brady Schleyball, we appreciate you taking the time once again to uh, join us here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. And best of luck to you, not only to your team, but the rest of the entire program as they are set mm-hmm. to host the 2023 Classic in the Country starting this Saturday at Berlin Highland High School. Thank you so much, Coach. Appreciate it, Mitch. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Hey, Coach. And that is Coach Brady Schleyball on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. We'll be back right after this. Hey there, folks, this is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostren Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance, Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. 
What would you like with your fries? Trying them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And welcome back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Final segment here. Uh, we got some things to talk about. We'll start off with a national championship game, Mitch, that I held off to the last segment because it was just that poor of a game. Just from the start, Mitch, you knew it was going to happen. You knew Georgia was going to win. I didn't think it was going to be that much, but it was 65-7. to seven. It's the largest margin of victory in a championship game for the college ball playoff, especially of this era. It's the most points put up in a game like this. I think Nebraska had the highest total at one point, but oh my God. Mitch, Georgia covered the over-under by themselves. Yeah. The over-under was 62 and a half. It also goes back to the point that generally a team that is a championship contender or, you know, the, the top team, that close game they have, which was Georgia and Ohio State, generally is a wake-up call or ends up being their toughest game. Now, I didn't expect that to be the outcome on Monday night. I don't think anybody in their right mind expected that to be the outcome on Monday night. Um, It was ugly. I'm not going to try to figure out a nice fancy word to put it because that's what it was. It was ugly. Um, TCU looked like a team that people thought they were all season long. It's not... I'm not going to hold that against TCU in terms of like, they should have never been there. They, they proved they should have been the playoff. They beat. No. Michigan. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not here. Aaron did. People that go, well, it should, it should have been Alabama. No, it shouldn't have. TCU no, won their no. Semifinal. If, if this happened in the semifinal game, then sure. I might listen to the argument. TCU shouldn't have been there, but TCU did what they had to do to get to the national championship game. It just happened to be that they ran into the best team in college football as well as a team that was called out after they won their semifinal game. I mean, Kirby smart calling out all his players, calling out Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Uh, you know, in just terms of how they played in that game, I'm not going to even go into the whole, Oh, we were seven and people thought we were going seven. That's not, mm. no, nobody said that. Nobody no. Said that. Yeah. Nobody no one said that. said that. Who would have said that somebody that's never seen college football before and didn't know what teams like how you played the sport. Like there, no, I'm not buying that They're Like Georgia was that good and that talented wire to wire all year, Mitch. Wire to wire. They they were up there all year. They handled their business. They had two tough games in terms of score. And when you look back at it, it's kind of laughable when it was Missouri and Kent State were, were their closest games in the regular season, um, which both those teams played them harder than TCU. Um, but it was just a, a very, very, very ugly game. I turned the game off before halftime. Um, I was extremely stunned to see what the final score was. Uh, and I'm not sure if you heard it, Mitch. If you heard Kirby Smart's pregame speech to the team in the locker room that has been all over social media, and if you haven't, um, we will not play it on the podcast. It is not appropriate. I can understand why Georgia came out and was uh, taking it to TCU, though, because I myself, as just a casual football fan, was fired up and ready to go to war. Yeah, they, were, they were eating chicken wings on the sideline. That's how I knew it was a blowout game at some point. I was I, the only the only vesting interest I think people still had in watching that game was uh, they were going to release the Ant Man trailer. I think at halftime, and when the score got up to thirty eight to seven at halftime, they're like, "Oh, we need to keep this going because people need to stay watching this game." And then they finally do. I think it was around ten thirty, and it's like, "All right, you got it out of the way." So there you go. I saw your tweet the next morning when I woke up. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. see that. Tweet. I went, Where's the Ant-Man trailer? I'm just waiting for the Ant-Man trailer. Yeah. That was the, that was, it was just rough. It, and you know, it, it does kind of sting to think if Ohio state would have won that game, maybe it would have been one they could have gotten a victory in, but 
who knows? They'll be back next year and we'll see where we come 360 some odd days from today. Um, but there's that. Uh, we also got the news a few minutes ago that Cleveland Cavaliers guard Ricky Rubio is targeting a return to play uh, in Portland on Thursday for the Cavaliers as he's been you know, recovering from the ACL injury that uh, knocked him out last season. Then he got traded. Then he resigned, which is great. And, you know, after last night's game, Cavs game against the Jazz, I'd like to bring in some new guys back. I'm a little worried about if Jared Allen and uh, the, the rest of the sick teammates are okay. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell balled out in his former arena, which is awesome. They had, he had a good reception there. Jordan Clarkson, I could not believe the run that he was able to pull off with two Karis Levert fouls towards the end. And I'm just, I, I couldn't like, like, come on guy, what are you doing? And then they just kind of lost their legs late in the game, but it, it, the Utah is a good team. It's not like this is a, a below or a around 500 squad. This is a good team. That'll be in the West uh, for the rest of the season. But uh Rubio is a, 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 a very popular player it has been for the last year or so for Cleveland. And it'll be very interesting to see what he can bring to a guard system for the Cavs that might need a break every once in a while. And he can, and he can provide some good things. Oh, absolutely. Mitch. I think this is where we saw the emergence of Darius Garland and the level, the next level he could go to last year. Once Colin Sexton was out and, and Rubio was inserted into the lineup with more minutes. This is also somebody that has familiarity playing with Donovan Mitchell in Utah for a couple of seasons. This is also another way for JB Bickerstaff to get Donovan Mitchell some rest here in the middle of the season to get ready for the stretch run in the playoffs, um, as well as get Ricky an opportunity to get his legs back under him, get back into playing shape. Obviously I'm sure there will be a minutes restriction for uh, Ricky when he comes back, but I like it now because you get your feet wet, you get playing again, and then the all-star breaks right around the corner. And then you get a little break. You'll have some time off, and you come back, and that's when I think it's go time for the Cavs. So I'm excited to see where where he fits in. Um, I, I am interested to see the corresponding roster move the Cavs are going to make. Who is the one that's going to either A, be cut, or lose all their minutes? Is it Raul Neto? I mean, this is a guy, Mitch, that at the beginning of the season I wasn't a fan of, and he has come on lately. He has played some very big minutes. He was phenomenal in the... 90 to 88 win over the Phoenix Suns just last week in Cleveland. Um, who knows? Who knows where the Cavs go? And then, you know, where's Dean Wade? That's a name and a player we haven't seen in a while. You know, we miss him dearly. The Cavs just miss having a true small forward dearly. Rubio is going to help Mitch, but he is not going to cover up the biggest hole on this team, in my opinion. No, no. And, and, even with that, I still think they have to make sure that they get this job done against Portland. You got Portland, uh, obviously tonight, or they're not, they're still a pretty so Thursday, excuse me. They're going to play Portland on Thursday. That's still a solid team. You're 26 and 16 now. And then for the rest of your recent schedule, we kind of mentioned it early on an earlier podcast. You got Minnesota, New Orleans, Memphis, Golden State. New Orleans, Memphis, Golden State is that stretch. Golden State, by the way, lost to the Suns last night in a game in which I thought the Suns were going to completely blow uh, a huge lead that they had going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, for their sake, they didn't. But it was a very sloppy game towards the end. And then the last thing we want to talk about, Carlos Correa signed his third contract of the offseason. Or at least has been offered his third contract of the offseason. I can't say it's for sure. This one, this one it's, seems it's for official. sure. This is official. According to Jeff Passon that you shared to me uh 
this morning that uh, the Carlos Correa to the Twins, back to the Twins deal is official. He was a giant. Then he was a Met. Now he's back to the Twins on a deal where it's like six years, $200 million. Could max out at 270. This was just a headache to, to a headache that led to a guy remaining in division. And I don't like that. I, li- I liked when he was in the National League. I liked when he was off doing his thing. And now he's going to get a reduced deal for what we can see now. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, obviously, he is going to I mean, he's a good player, Mitch. There's no way around that. Yeah. He has flaws to a point to where they could not sign him to major contracts because of an injury bug. Obviously, the injury bug that's preventing him from signing these max deals or not even max. There is no salary cap uh, was an injury he sustained in double A and which he broke an ankle sliding to third base. There is now a metal rod in there, which he has been said gives him issues. Um, He has lost out over. One hundred thirty million dollars from his original deal that was agreed in principle with the giants to where he is at now signing with the twins. And what's even crazier is Carlos Correa could have stayed with the twins instead opted out and decided to become a free agent. And now here we are as good as a player as he is when healthy, he, he doesn't fix all the issues with the Minnesota twins. Now he has the ability to be a thorn in the guardian side and potentially win a couple games here or there for the twins with his bat, but the twins issues go much deeper than their shortstop and it primarily is their starting pitching their bullpen help and other holes in their lineup. But I mean, yeah, Mitch, uh, you give somebody a test three times, the first two times they fail it, you'd have to think the third time he should be okay to, to pass it. And uh, that's what happened today when he passed his physical. It's mainly the years that I'm focused on more so than the money. Cause $200 million is still $200 million, potentially 270. The original deal was for the Giants, what, 13 years yeah. at least, or at least at least a decade. Met similar thing. This one only six years. So when Correa, I mean, how old's Correa now? 29? Carlos Correa age, if I look this up here like I do with my computer, Carlos Correa age is 28. So you get to the end of that contract, you're 34. That's um, 34, 35. These days in baseball, it seems like it's ancient, depending on who you are. But uh, yeah, who, who knows if he can warrant another deal by the time uh, he reaches that stage of his career. And I guess with uh, well, really quick before we go to the intro or outro, you sent me that link to the Carlos Correa thing, and I went into my Twitter DMs and I said I went to go send this GIF of or not even a gif it's a video of a clip from the office of michael scott looking to one of his employees and going hey shut up and what i didn't realize was i accidentally sent that to another direct message chat to another area another person in the area who also covers sports i won't give away the name and it was out of nowhere his last message to me was on monday and all he sends me back is haha and I said, oh, wow, I am so sorry. I did not mean to send that to you. That was for another chat. So that's me sending people um, uh, unnecessarily mean out of nowhere memes at 10 o'clock in the morning on this Wednesday. And that is all the time we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Uh, of course, you know, we've talked about before Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe at the bell, uh, bigtimesportsohio.com. You know, at Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook and Instagram, at BTS Ohio on Twitter, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. Mitch, what is our fact of the day? Well, 
There is not one letter Q in any U.S. state name. No, there isn't. You're right. Is there one with X in it? I feel like there yes. wouldn't be. Pennsylvania. New Mexico. Thanks for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. 